And take two. Groobs isn't here to drop. Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I am Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. This is a podcast where we take you on a movie journey through the world of cinema. Isn't that right, Brian? That is correct. What kind of stuff are we going to have in store for this podcast, Richard? We are going to have some movie news to start things off. We are. We're going to have some recommendations from the part of all three of us. Plenty of them. And then we're going to have a movie each week that we break down extensively. Yes, yes, we will have a movie review in every episode, and this week's episode is... Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. Do you know what a bounty hunter is? You kill people, and they give you a reward. Hmm. Better they are, bigger the reward. Now, if you haven't seen Django Unchained, don't worry about the spoiler alert. Please sit with us. We will let you know when we start breaking that down. You can stay with us through movie news and, and recommendations on all of that, and then we'll tell you to... Turn it off for a while. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, listen to the for the listen for the spoiler alert uh, alert, mm -hmm. if you will, and uh, that'll be your cue to turn it off if you have not seen Django Unchained, which I hope you have yeah. at this point. And if you have, then sit with us as we kind of break it down, both uh, culturally, uh, cinematically, and hopefully comedically, and uh, we'll take you right through it. Yes, that is absolutely right. Um, first of all, we're gonna go into some uh, movie news that happened this week. Um, Anything uh, happened this week, Brian, that caught your eye? Uh, the big thing was J.J. Abrams taking over the ship of uh, Star, Tr Star Wars. That is true, yes. J.J. Abrams, uh, that's the big news this week. Uh, it hit me kind of like a bombshell. Uh, oh, yeah. came out of nowhere for me. I, I thought that there was no way J.J. Abrams was coming on board. I didn't think he could get out of I figured whatever his Star Trek contract was that there would be right. a no, you know, get out of but uh, we'll see. Have we had any? Have we heard how the Star Trek community feel? This one I'm the most curious about because these are right. the bloods and crypts of, of Nerd World, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and how how have they responded to their to their saviors? He he resurrected the Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, the whole universe franchise. Oh, okay. Yeah, and now he's jumping ship to the this is this is Red so uh, a, a Red Sox player coming on rescuing the Red Sox and then and then jumping ship to the Yankees. I agree. I think J.J. Um, Abrams has to be, like, the luckiest person on, on planet Earth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, um, I bet he wakes up every day, and he, he not only is the helmer of Star Trek and has, yeah, what, like you said, resurrected the franchise, but he's the chosen one that is going to bring balance to the Force, if you will, <laughs> among the Star Trek Star Wars fans. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe you're right. I'm probably being a pessimist here. Maybe this is what will finally unite and, you know, just get these kids off the uh, off the street, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen a little bit. I've seen a little bit of anger from the Star Trek fans for uh, for ba uh, for bailing out on their their beloved franchise to go to the as you said the the Yankees of the yeah. uh, <laughs> of the sci fi world. Um, but I think at the same time they've just got to be they've got to be happy for what they've got. They that star that first Star Trek movie that that uh, JJ did is maybe one of the, I mean it's maybe one of the best ones and. Uh, Oh yeah, um, that Star Trek movie I think floored everybody. Yeah, including himself with how awesome it turned out. Yeah, it how it perfectly. really reinvigorated a dead franchise. And from all evidence, it appears that the next one will be an even greater step. Oh yeah, yeah. I um I don't know if you guys saw the uh, prologue to Into Darkness. 
Mm-hmm. The IMAX yeah. prologue. Did you see it, Brian? I did. I saw it online. Okay. Uh, I did see it, and it's exhilarating. Man, mm-hmm. this Into Darkness is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of the series, right. I guess. It's going to end up being the best movie maybe of the year, I think. Maybe in my eyes, especially sci-fi. I don't know, but this is a good year for sci-fi. But this good. one is, after seeing the first nine minutes, I mean, I'm enthralled with this world right now. And I hope at least uh, J.J. kind of... Maybe he makes a third Star Trek. Yeah, I'd heard he was at least going to stay on and produce the the third one and possibly direct it as well. Um, to the point that they, I'd even seen that they they might even push back the new Star Wars movie uh, another year to give him an opportunity to direct uh, really? Star yeah. Trek first. So um, it seems like he's willing to work with both sides of it. Just you know, if if the fans can accept that, I guess is the is the question there. I think Star Wars fans are, are fine either way. It's, it's always the Star Trek fans that are a little more uh, insecure. About well, they're the little brother. They're, yeah, they they're, are. They're yeah. the Eli Manning in this. <laughs> yeah. In this fold. Now you say um, you're you you say you're happy with JJ as uh, the pick, Richard. Um, I mean, I think we were. I think we're all thinking the same thing. I mean, we were all really hoping uh, for Uwe Bull. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but of course, you know, daggers can't be choosers. I guess. Yeah. No, I'm thrilled. I'm, I mean, I, I uh, I'm a big Abrams fan, and I think I think he'll he'll bring not only a, a certain skill set to Star Wars, but a um, unparalleled enthusiasm for the universe and what it represents yeah, yeah, culturally exactly. and yeah. all that. Yeah. So I'm in, man. And I'm not even like a hardcore. Uh, I would probably have the three of us the, the smallest Star Wars fan. Yeah. Uh, not that I. I mean, I grew up with them and loved them, but. Uh, I don't have uh, Chewbacca action figures in my office like uh, certain Brian Gill does, but uh, hey, mine are in my bedroom. Okay, it's yeah, yeah, mine, yeah they I, are. I keep it tasteful. Yeah, that is super tasteful. But uh, <laughs> so I, you know, but even I'm I'm excited. I, another breaking news came from this, and, and we haven't discussed this, but I, I was almost just equally as floored that uh, apparently the second choice was Mr. Ben Affleck. Yeah, that was huge. That was uh, to me that that almost made the J.J. Abrams thing better because it made me feel like. Disney was really doing its best to yeah. get the best person for the job, regardless of whether they're known for sci-fi or known for action yeah. or whatever. Um, the fact that, that Ben Affleck was apparently was By the way, we were saying yeah. the sentence right now. I would love to get a time machine and go back and find <laughs> the three of us and then say, hey, uh, okay, listen to the sentence from 2013. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm yeah. really thrilled that uh, the Star Wars people, while making a, you know, making a third trilogy... At least interviewed Ben Affleck to direct it. Yeah, so many. We would have so many questions. He's an awesome director (laughs) in 2013. Yeah, 2007 us would be just completely baffled by so many things in that sentence. Like they're making another Star Wars, right? Oh yeah, Ben Affleck. You remember (laughs) that that guy with the paddle from Days and Confused? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's the guy who's going to take over, (laughs) and it's going to be in good hands. Yeah, but no. I would say JJ was on my list, definitely top five. Yeah. Um, Are they going to do? Mul- I mean, he's only signed on for one, correct? Right. He's so only they're... signed on for one. I'm willing to bet he'll do the next one. I won't see why he would say no to another one if it's. It's. I can't, and I've read this a lot online. I can't imagine a scenario that this movie doesn't make over a billion dollars. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. it'll make at least 1.5 billion. Are they doing it in 3D? They talked about that. I probably are. Probably will. The so, fact that I mean, start the new Star Trek is in 3D. So I mean, you're talking with those and inflated Disney, ticket prizes yeah. and Disney's marketing yeah. machine. I mean, it might make 2 billion. Oh, at least. And um <laughs> and they've already confirmed and toys the, and all that. I mean, oh, Disney yeah. It's going to be huge. I mean, this is this is the 
This could be the biggest movie of ever what, of the decade def- of 2010 to so 2000. I mean, it's, question: it's How much did they buy it for again? Four billion. The Star Trek. Yeah, show? about yeah. four point five. They'll make over the course of three movies. They'll make that. Yeah, money. absolutely. Between it's, toys and video games and all that stuff, that's 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 an easy. And that just shows you where her George Lucas kind of took a hit when he sold the thing because he could have made four more himself and made four billion. Right. You know, he really wants to see this franchise reinvigorated. Well, someone and finally put got into the to hands him. of a decent person that has a vision he knows yeah. that like okay i have a vision but this vision isn't what the people want anymore right. apparently i mean they want they love star wars love the characters but it needed to go through the eyes of a fan yeah and i think that jj abrams is gonna blow our minds it's gonna be incredible it's gonna be gritty it's gonna be funny right. it's gonna it's gonna be my f- favorite movie that year yeah. i mean i can't imagine that it's not gonna be better than all the prequels combined i just can't oh, imagine no question scenario. so have we heard- I know we haven't heard anything about the cast returning, but are we going to hear... Do, is there any sort of time frame as to when we will learn about certain people's involvement or non-involvement? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that they've talked to, or at least approached, the um, remaining members of the original trilogy. Brian, what have you heard about that? Yeah, I know they had talked to Mark Hamill and, and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, the, the important people from the original trilogy, and... I think all of them that I'd seen anyway had expressed at least a passing interest in in doing something. The the most interesting thing to me is going to be are they going to try to start it this new trilogy directly after Return of the Jedi, or is it going to be you know 20 years down the line or 50 years down the line or or what? Um, I would guess that the further away they go from uh, the timeline of the trilogy, the first trilogy ending, the the higher the likelihood is that yeah. it's going to be about like. Han and, Han and Leia's kids, or maybe uh, yeah. I don't know some weird offspring from from Luke or something like that. Um, I would guess that they're going to have at least cameos of some sort in the in the new the new movie. And it, it, at least mentioned, yeah, yeah. at yeah. least brought up. Um, Richard and I talked about this on our normal show, on our radio show. Um, I had an idea for the, and I hope like you're, I hope you're right that they continue at least. Um, Somewhat similar to where episode six, I guess, left off. Right. Um, I want episode seven, and I'll, I'll, I'm saying this right now, and I'll send this podcast to J.J. Abrams himself. Mm-hmm. Um, episode seven needs to start out with a long, like, shot, like you know, every shot goes from space, zooming in all the way to Tatooine, uh-huh. okay, and going across the desert, like a huge sweeping shot across the desert, and then the camera just stops, and then you see Boba Fett bust out <laughs> of the sand like he was in the Sarlacc pit this yeah. whole time and he yeah. busts out and he gets a reading on his little device from like Darth whoever it is right. um, the Emperor or whatever and um, immediately goes to like search for Han Solo or whatever right. and so there's your movie right there you're already you know and I hope they they call back to the original trilogy and kind of yeah. like some things that were left open ended, like did did Boba Fett really die? I hope they kind of right. answer some of those. Well, I think you're going to get some of that. Fans. I, yeah. That's the genius of this whole this whole thing with the sale to Disney is that they've come out and said, you know, we're going to do this trilogy first off, but after that, it's kind of an open universe, and we may go back and do a, a standalone movie with Boba Fett. Or for me, my big thing would be Chewbacca and and Han. My big thing, there, yeah, because that. I, I'm a huge Chewbacca fan, and so my big thing would be the origin stories of of Han Solo. I yeah, wish they, I yeah. wish they would do a pre, like kind of a prequel. Sure, um, sure. 
And I think you're going to get some of those things. I, that's where I would love to see Ben Affleck. Like when I saw that it came down basically between J.J. Abrams and Ben Affleck, I thought J.J. Abrams was the perfect pick to relaunch this new trilogy and get the get the series kicked back up to where it needs to be. But if they want to come back in you know 2020 or whatever and do a, a Boba Fett movie or a, a Han uh, origin story or yeah. whatever else, Ben Affleck is, would be a great pick for for one Agreed. of those. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Matt Damon is. Yeah. Young uh, Han Solo. Yeah, I'll see that right now, just anytime. Well, since this is the inaugural podcast of Mad About Movies, we want to kind of give you guys a taste of where our tastes lie, if you will. Um, So we're going to give you a little overview of our DVD collection, specifically Blu-ray, because that means those are the ones that we really, really care about. So, Brian, can you give us a little um, hint of what uh, you've got stowed away? I've got a, a fairly substantial. <laughs> How many would you uh, say? Collection. And you haven't seen my collection. It's in the other room. Right. But I would say I'm willing to battle you there. You probably have more titles, but I would say that my selection is. <laughs> That's probably true. I still have a few holdovers from college days of, you know, three for $20 at uh-huh. Hastings, you know, things like that. Um, I probably I probably got about four hundred movies something Good like that. Goodness, um, definitely definitely between three fifty and four hundred. I, I would I would guess, and I haven't bought a DVD that's not like a TV series in I don't know four years five years. It's it's all Blu-ray for me. I'm I'm an oh, HD wow. snob, so yeah, I um, so am I. Anything is you know I've got holdovers still from the DVD days, but. Uh, any of the movies that I really like, I've replaced on Blu-ray, whether they need them or not. Like at, when when Blu-ray came out, I made a big deal about I'm only going to buy, you know, the the necessary yeah, ones, the, yeah, special yeah. effects movies that right. really need to be seen in Blu-ray. But then like Br- Blues Brothers comes out on Blu-ray, I'm like, yeah, I need <laughs> exactly, that. yeah, so, gotta get um, it. So yeah, I would say somewhere between, but including TV series, and I do have a lot of TV on DVD and whatnot. Now, um, what uh, can you highlight some titles just from your Blu-ray collection? Oh man, box um, sets. Any any box sets? Trilogies. The Indiana Jones box set is a big player. All right. Uh, Back to the Future. Um, I've got all the Alien movies. I don't think I have the the box set, but had purchased them separately. Um, there are a lot of different movies like that. The only one, the only big series I think that I don't have is Star Wars because I've been I've oh, been wow. kind of uh, I, I went on a big rant about. I'm not going to buy. You're not going to buy. I'm it. not going to buy it until I can get the. Uh, Let me just tell you. Version. Let me just tell you, Brian. I own it, and it's spectacular. <laughs> yeah. And you're missing out. I know. It hurts me every day when I look at my shelf and still see just the DVD version. It, yeah. It really bothers me to my core. I but, wouldn't uh, say that the Blu-ray makes much of a difference on the prequels because mm-hmm. the DVDs. I mean, it's such a good transfer. Right. It was shot in high def or whatever. But the old movies, going back and watching the New Hope mm-hmm. in. 1080p high def it really is awesome yeah and it really exposes a lot of the effects that they use a lot of the practical effects especially if you watch it after the prequels sure um looks a lot cheaper so i would suggest doing it the opposite i would suggest watching the prequels after yeah it might diminish the um how you feel about the right. original well that's the way it should be seen that's, yeah you should watch the first the original trilogy first and then if you have time the prequels <laughs> <laughs> if you're desperate right if, if like all your movies burn right. if you've watched Sports Center thing you four have. times already that night you know yeah Richard any um, highlights I just got my first Blu-ray player about two weeks ago when I moved oh yeah and you I, said you bought um, what did you say the other week that you had just bought a Blu-ray I have my Blu-ray collection is for Christmas I got the Lord of the Rings extended edition nice. boss there. Quality. Which I'm not even a huge Lord of the Rings guy, but I'm super psyched about. Yeah. 
And then I, now I have, and then I have that. And you I bought have, Jackie Brown. That's what it was. I have. That's what I was about to say. I have the entire Quentin Tarantino oeuvre now. Nice. So I have that minus Django, and uh, so that's that's it. Those are the only Blu-rays I own: Tarantino and One of the Rings. <laughs> uh, DVD wise, I'm not a huge. See, I made. I'm a big. Uh, I'm a big book guy. So I kind of made the decision six years ago to just start buying books with expendable income as opposed to – Yeah. So I really haven't purchased too many DVDs in the last six, seven years. So I probably only have about 50 and I never watch them. So, I mean, I'm the wrong person. I, I see movies in the theater and then I'll, I'll red box them or Netflix them, but I don't, I don't own – If I when I get to the point where I can afford to buy books and movies, I, I will, but – I'll probably just start building the Blu-ray collection soon. Nice. When I have like yeah. an adult job. Well, you've made the jump. A lot of people will refuse to make the jump. Yeah. And at least you see. I made the jump. See made, the yeah. You see, see the, the potential you there. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, I, I'd like to. Like my, my like I said, since I haven't, you know, so many of my DVDs were were purchased, like either a by like my parents for me, like right. hey, uh, hey, <laughs> I've got. I mean, I have DVDs of the following films. Um, the Ashton Kutcher, Bernie Mac masterpiece, Guess Who? Um, what's the one? Uh, what's the other one? Uh, what's uh, Sahara? Oh, classic movie, uh, Sahara. Barbershop 1 and 2. Nice. Um, what about Beauty Shop? So No, I don't have Beauty Shop. Oh, but I, that's I, a I must. I need to take all those and sell, even if I get a 10. The surround sound. Let me just say this, the 1080p surround sound. <laughs> And on Beauty just, Shop. Yeah. So I'm just going to start over with like Criterions and then like a bunch of uh, just like good movies that I like now yeah. as an adult. So I'll start building it. I'll fill you guys Criterion, in. that's good. I yeah. I need to get my Criterion cracking. Yeah, I need to. I, um, I only just, have, I think, maybe two or three DVDs. I don't have any of the Blu-rays. There's a shop and I was at in Austin. Uh, it's that big record shop down there. Waterloo. Waterloo. And uh, they uh, they had really good prices on on Criterion's. Really? Yeah, we're talking like 10, 12 bucks a, a Wow, hit a it's pretty much I mean, the It was hit. a sale, but I mean, you can yep. get them. They're starting yep. to get a little cheaper and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And that was, those were the, I think they, the the 12 buck ones were uh, DVD and then you can get them in Blu-ray for like 15, 16. So. Yeah. Nice. Uh, of course, I had zero money at the time. Yeah. When I was in college. I think time. Barnes & Noble every year does a, a big Criterion clearance where you can get it's either buy two, get one free, or like half off. We should buy fill two in. I mean, Criterion like is just a selection. I'm not even really sure how it works, Brian. You probably know better than I. It's just a, a company that buys the rights to the DVD rights of yeah. certain films. And the, the movies that they consider to be the quote-unquote important mm-hmm. movies. Um, and you, so you get MacGruber. you get some things that are just like <laughs> yeah, MacGruber. Tune into our next podcast, kids. Yeah. <laughs> we will, um, we'll do a full hour and a half on MacGruber. That's right. I promise, eventually. Um, but you get a lot of, you know, pretentious black and white movies. But then uh, you get stuff like, like I have Traffic, the yeah. uh, 2000 Steven Soderbergh movie. Uh, Tenenbaums. All the Wes Anderson yeah. movies all are Wes on Criterion. Are, are Criterion, um, yeah. And they just, they, they usually present it with a bunch of extra special features that weren't uh, previously available and... Have a great poster on the front of it and all that stuff. Yeah, they normally do custom art and stuff. It's a really cool thing. They did that hoax a couple years ago, which was great, where they did a kindergarten cop criterion. Yeah, yeah. There is a uh, Tumblr. Yeah, it's called Fake Criterions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The art is hilarious. They do some awesome ones there. Um, My collection um, consists of a lot of trilogies. I'm with Brian. I gotta go. You gotta go with the classics. Uh, Back to the Future. I've got. Alien, I just got that for Christmas, the oh, Alien yeah. Anthology, cool. which I suggest getting. It's very, very good. Um, uh, I got 3D Blu-rays. I love 3D. 
Um, only the ones that count, though. So I've got like Prometheus, The Avengers. Um, what else? Do you have a 3D TV? I do. And and 3D TVs get a lot of hate. Okay, people are like, well, why would you get that? People don't realize that when it's not 3D, it's an awesome like HD, flat screen right. HD TV. They think that you have to like watch 3D all the time or yeah. something. But it's so awesome to have like just a button on your remote that you click and it's you know theater quality 3D. Um, got Hugo um, on 3D. That's awesome. Um, and and in the next couple of years, you're gonna be able to buy a 3D TV for pretty cheap. So yeah, if you yeah. can invest in one for cheap, and it's I've, worth to have just for a handful of movies. It really is. I've actually never seen a movie. Toy Story 3. TV. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't either. I haven't watched it on, on the TV. I haven't watched yeah, a 3D yeah. movie. Yeah, um, Yeah, I do have a lot. Um, box sets. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Um, I got my. I try to go by directors. So I've got Coen Brothers. I've tried to got most of the Coen Brothers on Blu-ray. Um, Tarantino, of course. Probably my next. I'll probably go Coen Brothers next. For, yeah. Um, that's a good call to go by director. And I've got Spielberg. Pretty much all Spielberg's. All the ones it has on Blu-ray. I know mm-hmm. all, all of them aren't out yet. Schindler's List is about to come out. Stoked right. for that. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it is. Um, who else? Uh, David Fincher. I got the social network. PTA. Fight Club. Uh, PTA. I have DVDs of PTA stuff. That's um, probably the I need to get is. the Blu-rays. Yeah, because I mean, this stuff's shot so well. Yeah. I mean, I've got, like, There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights on, on DVD, but um, i trying to think what else. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, but I try to, with my Blu-rays, like Brian, I try to get the classics, I guess, mm-hmm. the ones that I know that I can watch any day and I'm not going to get sick of it. Right. Uh, the one exception in my collection, I would say, would be The Muppets. Oh, classic. Great classic movie. movie. I have all the Muppet movies yeah. on oh, DVD. I, I do too. Or Muppets or in Space. Muppets yeah. in Space is my jam. Is my, is my jam. Uh, yeah. Christmas Carol's Greatness. Yes. Muppet Treasure, Treasure Island. Island. Muppet Solid. Movie, All original. Greatness. Muppets yep. Take Manhattan. Yep. Got them. I've got, got all those on DVD. But I yeah. need to get, do you have those on Blu-ray? Uh, I, do, I only have the Jason Siegel Muppets on okay. Blu-ray. Yeah. But I do have the others on DVD, I yeah, believe. They're all great. No, I have no one loves Space. I've got all the Muppet graphic novels that have come out the last few years. And they do these really cool... Adaptations of classic yeah. literature or like fairy Frank tales. Miller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Muppet Peter Pan and Muppet. Huh. It's awesome. The arts are you really being cool. serious? No, I have them. Oh, nice. I collect them. Interesting. I never heard of those before. Yeah, I'll show cool. them to you. I'll show them to you. They're really cool artistically. I just started I, when I was working on Borders. I started coming in. Yeah. They're like in the kids section, but they're huh. like funny, you know. So I was like, I'm just gonna start collecting these. They're actually a pretty cool series. The uh, new Muppets movie. Who is gonna be in it, Brian? I know they just announced a couple uh, names. Uh, Gervais. Yeah, yeah, it's Gervais. Gervais and Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Didn't he back and out, though? Or he I think he's, he's been backing out, but I keep hearing that he is going to be in it. Like, and they're just trying to decide if he's going to be in it like a lot or a little. Right. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not real thrilled about the Gervais bit, i got to be honest. I love the, the, the Seagull Muppets. That that was one of my too. favorite movies. But apparently he elected to leave because like, everyone's yeah. coming back. Yeah, he didn't want to Why is it. that? I thought he was Mr. Muppet. Well, he I, did, he, that's exactly why, they say, because he didn't want to be Mr. Muppet. Uh, yeah. And he felt like he didn't want to be that guy that all these ki- this whole generation of kids knows is that guy right. from the Muppets or whatever. Um, it says the Mupp- It says Tina Fey. That's who they've confirmed. That's a good it. call. Tina yeah. Fey, Ray Liotta, as Pretty well. That's so really, yeah. I, don't I heard he's playing the same character he played in that Guy Ritchie movie. Did you ever see that? What was that one? Her. Uh, it's awful. It's got like Statham and. I don't know. They <laughs> Ray Liotta's. He's a bad guy, and his sole character quirk is that he tans a lot. Oh, <laughs> and it's uh, it's a strong. I'm, I'm starts with an R. It's not rock and roll. Maybe oh, it is revolver. Rock, revolver. Yeah, revolver. 
Ah, not familiar. I've never oh, seen that's that one. if you're one of rock and roll is good. But Sounds awesome. Revolver. Revolver's greatness because it just goes to anime at some point for about, oh, but not in a cool Tarantino way, right. in a weird just way, for no reason, in a really derivative, awesome. sad way. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, any other stories, news stories, guys? You want to discuss? That's about it on yeah. my end. I mean, I, I think this. I mean, obviously, it's it's dead season as far as releases sure. go. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we can talk about that a little bit, Brian. Mm. Experienced firsthand this last weekend the um, the, the the toilet, if you will. That is the January release window <laughs> for right. studios. Um, please give us your, I guess, your experience this weekend, Brian. Yeah. Um, well, I saw two movies this week, and we can go around and talk about what we've what we've seen lately if we want to. Yeah. Um, I saw two movies this weekend. I saw I saw Parker, the Jason Statham movie. Um, the Jennifer Lopez movie. Well, yeah. Let's, I mean, let's, let's get priorities, let's guys. Let's title it correctly. Um, review for that will be coming tomorrow on SoapboxOffice.com. Um, it might be the worst Jason Statham movie of all time. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel. How, let's go. Do you got, how do you feel about Statham just I, in general? I like it. I, um, I enjoy him, his work. I see his potential. Um, I'm going to say that the only performances I enjoyed was the first Crank movie. And the bank job. Bank job. Is the bank job. Those great. two were, <laughs> I thought Statham really. Yeah. You saw what he really could do, and the others were just like, all right, let's try to replicate what they did yeah. a little bit in the bank job and crank one, and kind of try, yeah, try to I force kind of something. Admire out. what he does, though. I mean, he yeah, kinda, I do. I think no one knows their place better than him. Right. Well, and he's very, he's very charismatic. I think. Yeah. Um, and he, he is a guy that you you root for his characters most of the time. He he generally like you said, he has an identity, he knows what he's doing for the most part and I'm he sticks going to in do that role. Thrillers that cost 20 million dollars yeah. to make yeah. and are released in either right September or January. <laughs> right, or January, yeah. And that, I'm totally cool with that. Yep. Just takes a, takes a check every time. Doesn't yeah, ruin right. his reputation either. No, no he takes he's, he's Yeah. He, it's, every always, movie poster is the exact yeah. same for every movie, and but it's like, totally cool. Yeah, yeah, because we you need that 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 kind of action person is missing yeah. now. Oh, totally. Because totally. now he, all the action, cool action roles are always being taken by like actual actors, right? Now. You know, the Matt Damon's of the world, and things right. like that. And so it's kind of fun to just have a guilty mm-hmm. pleasure, mm-hmm. kind of Stallone of, of this generation. Well, I thought his the last movie he had, I think, last year was uh, Safe, which I don't okay. know if you guys saw that. That was that might be my favorite oh, really? state the movie. It's really good. It's very hardcore action and there's no playing around. I mean it just it just starts and then it goes and then it's done. And it's it's very good. Um, this one, Parker, is just there's no charm to his character whatsoever. Well, um, he attempts the worst Texas accent I've ever heard mm-hmm. in my life. Um, has no no business being in a movie. Um, is he is it for the whole movie? No. He oh, only okay. does it for like a very short period of time <laughs> and cool. very quickly even within that period of time it's like is oh, he please. still doing the accent or not I can't yeah. you know you can't tell it's pretty terrible um, but it, it, it doesn't flow very well Jennifer Lopez doesn't fit whatsoever and um, her character has no I didn't know she no was purpose. still a thing but then it's that's what I felt I was like it was shocking to me to see her show up in a movie yeah. and I was like I thought you are just an American Idol judge at this point but yeah. um, I don't know I uh First off, I was shocked because I don't know if you saw – I mean obviously you saw the film. I, just based on the trailer, you know, he was wronged. Yes, he was. And now, now he's going to get back. Yeah, and it's serious, guys. It's a revenge That's, story. I've never, I've never seen that plot line before. Yeah, and yeah. it's certainly not from Statham. No. <laughs> no. So what it, other movie did you see besides Parker? Well – You mentioned it the, earlier. Uh, the but. second movie I went to see um, made Parker look like a masterpiece uh, because I went to see – 
what is being billed as the worst movie of all time. <laughs> uh, and I would possibly ma- agree with that. Masterpiece of crap, if you a will. Masterpiece of crap. The Citizen Kane of crap. Is it? Okay, now, before you say the name, is it one of those, it's so bad it's good? No. Will it ever be thought of that? No. This is. <laughs> it, I want to see. I, I went to see. And I, sh- I want to put the disclaimer out there. I went to see this movie because it had been billed as the worst movie uh-huh. of all time. When it was just, man, that looks like a really terrible movie. I had no interest whatsoever. But when people started really saying, this is the worst movie ever, I thought it would make a really funny blog post. So I went to see movie 43. Ah, mm. oh, yes. And please tell us. And then you were completely surprised and ended up being a great movie <laughs> yes, and you're the, better for it. The heartwarming tale of 2013. <laughs> um, I, I've been going to see movies all the time since, I don't know, 13 years old, something like that. Right. So for the, the better part of, of 15 to 17 years, I have never walked out of a movie before until – until movie forty three. Yeah, I, I should preface this. Brian and I saw Green Lantern, Lantern. together, Lantern. and I walked yeah. out, and he sat through the whole thing. I I just sat there. I can't. I never. <laughs> I never leave. I, it's like my. I it's been my thing forever. Is I don't leave. I don't care how terrible this movie is. I want to see it through more than anything, so I can say that is definitively the worst movie, yeah. or one of the worst Here's movies of the year, different. or whatever. I, I will walk out of movies I like. <laughs> If it starts Explain. winding down and I know where it's going, yeah. even if it's like a little charming romantic comedy, sometimes yeah. I'll go to movies by myself in the middle of the day, and it'll be middle of night, all actually. of a sudden I realize it's like eh, it's an hour, I'm an hour forty in. Well, they're gonna get you know, there's nothing else for me here, and I will leave. And I'll, and then it's people are like, did you hate it? And I'm like, it was good. Yeah, I liked solid it by, B plus. No idea what I mean, happens at the end. I will walk out of almost. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I rarely walk out – I don't see things unless I really know I'm going to like them Yeah, uh, for the most part. That's but, how I usually – at least in the theater. Yeah, usually. but Green Lantern, uh, Green Lantern was the, one of the rare where I walked yeah. out. Uh, right. Well, I, I, I sat protest. through – if you're not familiar with this movie, uh, and I say movie very loosely, um, it's, it's basically I think 10 vignettes of comedy kind of strung together with this one – overreaching plot point that doesn't yeah. really work at all. I sat through four of the vignettes and then just said, I'm, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And the thing that killed me, I think I think I was telling Richard this off the air, The um, oh, yeah, this if this was on HBO, it's possible that I could have fought through it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. What killed me was there's probably 50 other people in the theater and – they were all dying laughing. Like they were just <laughs> laughing so hard at all these horrible, horrible jokes that uh, embarrassed me from a comedic standpoint, and uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't take it. Like, I felt like I could, I felt like I could have just lit the theater on fire, and and America would have been better off for it. Um, but yeah, it is. It's the most appalling thing I've ever sat through for twenty to thirty minutes. I mean, it was just, it was so terrible. I'm not gonna lie here, Brian. The fact. That you said all this makes me want to see it. Even I know, more. and I'm, I'm afraid that that's what people are going to take from this. Is... Richard, any desire to see it even more? My now? eyes are lighting up at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm in. When are we going, Kent? Uh, I'm gonna have to wait on that one. Uh, Dollar Theater. Richard and I have discussed this before. Such an intriguing like potential in a movie. I mean, yeah. I know they've done this with the um, similar things with like Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve. Right, kind of like romantic comedies with mm-hmm. a bunch of A-listers. Both of those movies are terrible they've as never, well. <laughs> I mean, those were both comedies, arguably, too. Sure. But they've never really tried to do that with a comedy. And you, th- you would think that... Yeah, especially if, a gross-out comedy Yeah, like you this. would think that if this is going to work at all in any way, that it could work in a comedy with the Farrelly brothers kind of at the helm. Well, I mean, to me, with these gross-out comedies, it's almost an intriguing idea because 
so many of these movies are actually pretty funny for 10 minutes and yeah. then it's just like okay well now it's the same joke over right. and over and I'm just exhausted right. so like breaking it up like that into like we're just going to make 10 short sketches right. it's going to be a Saturday Night Live of R.A. Gross Out Comedy yeah I'm, not, I'm like that's kind of that's not a bad idea you might have my 7 bucks but then to just execute it so terribly yeah. right yeah, it's it's horribly put together. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think the idea of having it's almost like it's almost like Saturday Night Live. It's almost like a sketch show. Yeah. But the the stuff that ties it together is just so awful, oh, just so awful. I mean, it, well, it's it's embarrassing from a filmmaking standpoint. So. Well, movie forty three is out right now. Go Russians, go rush <laughs> yeah. out and see it. Take yeah. that glow uh, because it probably won't be out right. for a long time. No, I would guess. No. I think it made five million its opening weekend, yeah. and it'll probably make like one next yeah. weekend. If so. you're a teenage cost. boy, this is your weekend. You've got to go right now because yeah. it's that's the market. I, mean, I don't know oh. what it costs, but they went to crazy lengths to make the movie happen. Like they went, they approached years, right? Richard Gere, right? Or Peter Fairley approached Richard Gere with it, and he was like, "I want you to do this thing. Here's a script. Here's a sketch." And he's like, "Cool, I like it, but I'm not available for two years." And they're like, "Oh, that's cool." We'll yeah, wait. They just waited. So they wait. This movie has been on the shelf for like four years, I think, or something. Uh, and it paid off. Richard apparently. Gere finally comes back with that movie. This uh, what was that movie called? Again? Arbitrage. Arbitrage. Yeah. Arbitrage. Arbitrage whatever. Arbitrage, thanks. Like he's back and like, all right, I'm ready for right. some gear again, and then just right back in the toilet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Go meditate, buddy. Let's well, go. Uh, Hugh Jackman's else. coming off Les Misérables and right. his movie Forty right. Three. So do you think that the uh, that the gerbil told Richard Gere to do this movie? <laughs> <laughs> was fun. I was trying to make that joke, but I couldn't remember if it was a gerbil or a hamster. So I, just, I thought of it at the last second. Out. Well, how did things like that happen without the internet? I don't know. Like, if you live in Des Moines, Iowa, or <laughs> Tampa Bay, Florida, everyone yeah. knew that Richard Gear gerbil urban legend, right? Yeah. And how people just <laughs> meet each other and go, "Hey, nice to meet you." Have yeah. You heard that? Like everyone well, knows that do. story, yeah. and there was an internet that happened in like the eighties. Yeah. The Rod day. Stewart stomach pump one too. Yeah. Yeah. No internet. These stories just got around somehow all over the world. Thanks, Variety. It was a simple, simple time. It was. With that, I think that's a good note to end on for this mm-hmm. segment. Coming up next is our review and discussion of Django Unchained. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy-glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. 
Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. All right, guys, so uh, let's talk about the first time we saw this movie. Um, I know most of us have seen it uh, multiple times at this point. Um, I don't know about you, Brian, but I know, Richard, you've seen it multiple times as well as I have. I've only seen it once. You've only seen it once. Okay, uh, let's talk about the first time that we saw it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. know. First time we saw it and kind of give an overview of what you – a kind of thesis of what you thought. Go ahead, Brian. I thought it was the – if not, if it's not the best Tarantino movie, then it's the second best, uh, behind Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Um, or Pulp Fiction. I know everybody loves Pulp Fiction. Kent and I talked about this on the radio show um, one week, but um, I, I 100% respect what Pulp Fiction is. I think it's a, an incredibly well-made movie and uh, has some great scenes. It doesn't flow all together for me. And, and as we talked about on the radio, there's always a... Up until Inglorious, there's always been a moment in every Tarantino movie where he pushes the envelope so far that I, that I think it does what it's supposed to. It's supposed to make the viewer decide whether they're they're on board or not. And up until Inglorious, there was always a point where I was like, I'm out. I yeah. can't do this anymore. Can't I can't handle the gimp. I can't handle uh, Ving Rhames getting uh, yeah. <laughs> getting treated inappropriately. Yeah. Uh, I and and I was and I was out at that point, but. Um, but again, appreciate Pulp Fiction for what it is, obviously. Um, but Inglorious was the first one where I was like, from start to finish, I'm 100% on board for this. Uh, and Django followed that up uh, quite nicely. Great. Well, let's. Um, you've kind of put it into context as far as where it ranks sure. uh, among your favorite Tarantino. Now, Richard, where – I know you're a Tarantino fan. Um, uh-huh. So where would you put this um, on your scale? Just uh, right behind Death Proof at number one. <laughs> uh, you honestly, say that sarcastically, but I there are Death people Proof. that – yeah. I, I love Death Proof. Honestly, all his movies like are right up there. The only one I don't like as much is Reservoir. I mean it's great and it's like the groundbreaking thing it is. Just as the movies doesn't really get it done for me as well as the other ones do. Uh, I love Jackie Brown. I love uh, the Kill Bills, especially rewatching them lately. Uh, but right. I love Inglorious. Love Paul. So they're all kind of one A, one B, one C, one D to me. Uh, Django was, uh, you know, the thing I love about Tarantino movies is it's a particular joy watching his movies in the theater. I mean, they just yeah. they they uh, they. It's funny you say that. I I heard somebody the other day say that exact saying. There's yeah. nothing quite like. There's nothing like watching it. a Tarantino movie in, in the theater. Yeah. yeah, it's like real. It's one of those times where even if I don't always like. I mean, I've, I've loved all the movies, but I really feel like even if I didn't, I would just be so thankful I'm alive right now watch, getting to watch these in the theaters. It's like one of those really cool cultural things that I think will be neat to tell people when I'm, you know, hosting my uh, podcast at the nursing home. But uh, so, uh, yeah, that's right. 
It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be hot. Yeah, <laughs> me and uh, and uh, Newt Gingrich. But we uh, so I. But it's just like even like uh, obviously, Inglorious has that brilliant opening shot of the Nazi car sort of coming across the French countryside, and Django opens both of those epic shots. It's like wow, you know, this is a movie. Like they just in the in the music and everything. It's like this feels like I'm in 1973. Right. Yeah, and some like you know, uh, it's a really neat experience that is you know, I actually and Brian's kind of the same as me. Kent, you might be a little harsh. I'm not a huge violence person. Yeah, uh-huh. it actually does upset me quite a bit. For some reason, Tarantino movies don't, right. and there's and and uh, it, uh, Pulp Fiction has some things in it that are icky, but like uh, Django, I don't know. The hand to hand combat got to me a little bit, but uh, the blood and guts. It's almost done with such a. I mean, I hate saying this, almost a comic spirit mm-hmm. that uh, I just end up laughing kind of my way through it. Uh, so, but it's my, my initial reaction upon leaving was just, um, what a, what a thrill, what a fun ride. Obviously there's, there's things you change, but that's kind of what you just take with the spirit yeah. of the movie. I mean, right. his movies are always, at least they're just out there taking chances, you know, taking risks and it's just a really enjoyable experience. I, I agree there. Um, the main point I agree with is the beginning of this thing. I mean, I was absolutely enthralled from the first, I mean, frame of this movie. Um, I saw it with a friend of mine um, from from college, and he said, and I was sitting by him, and I was like, I'm probably going to love this movie. I told him before that. I was like, just so you know, no matter what this movie ends up being, I'm probably going to love it regardless. And um, so the movie starts, and the first thing you see is the old school Columbia Pictures logo. Yeah, exactly. And as soon as I saw that, I turned to him and I said, "This, this movie." Really <laughs> <laughs> I was already like, "This is one of my favorite movies ever." And all song. I had seen is the beginning uh, yeah. logo, literally the um, band apart, and then the yeah. whatever, and the song. Yeah, um, the whole intro, cinematography was great, and the first lines of the movie that you hear is, "Who's stumbling around in the dark?" State your business or prepare to get winged. And then here comes Christoph Waltz out of the darkness. Calm yourselves, gentlemen. (laughs) I'm just another weary traveler looking to conduct a transaction. I'm looking for the Brittle Brothers, the Speck Brothers. Might that be you? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Solid Waltz, man. Yeah. And And, um, now we will recite the rest of the movie. And I was just like, I almost left after the first, just the opening sequence. I mean, there's nothing. And nothing like in film like a Tarant- the first ten minutes mm-hmm. of a Tarantino yeah, movie. Exactly, there really isn't. Um, every film he's done is he's, the same. He's way. He's almost like a, a music artist that way, or like yeah, he almost makes his movies like mixtape. Like he leads off with a bang, right? I mean, it's uh, all right. Let's get this. Let's get this going. And yeah. he seems to almost follow a similar template with all of his movies as far as the pacing goes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's done in editing or in the script writing, but. Uh, it's it's just a great the performances are so good he he the thing about him is he's always been a good writer and maybe it's just the caliber of actors that he's working with has improved uh, but you know now he's beca- he's directing these just incredible performances out of people these really right. nuanced things which obviously are testament to people like Christoph Waltz and Leonardo DiCaprio and yeah. things like that but it's also a testament to him like he's not just about I think early on he was all about uh, uh, you know the genius of his script and his writing and his direction and his camera movement and his choices of style and things right. like that. And now it's much more, it almost, 
you get the spirit of collaboration a lot more in his movies. Mm-hmm. But obviously he's the director, but there's a lot more, you know, someone like Christoph Waltz I think has given a lot more room to play uh-huh. than people yeah. were in previous uh, Tarantino movies, which, which just adds to it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's part of my hang-up, if you want to call it such. Again, I think every movie that he's made is, is great. I don't love the Kill Bill movies, but um, the rest of them I think are They're incredible. interesting, though. That's they are. Crazy very interesting. I place Kill Bill 1 and 2, right. probably my number 2 behind Inglorious yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I, I loved the fact that he wrote a whole script, and it was too long to make it into one movie. Yeah. And he decided, I'm not cutting any of this out because it's all good. Yeah. So let's just make it two movies. I wish he would have done that with a lot more of his movies. Um, I I love the modern times. I love, I mean, the great thing about Pulp Fiction is that, I mean, it feels real. And I thought Kill Bill kind of felt real um, as far as comparing it to his other work. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Kill Bill's some of my favorite stuff. And go, now this whole kind of take on um, uh, uh, history that he's doing, this sort of artistic yeah. history. That he's doing. And I kind of hope his next movie, he has kind of said it's going to be a s- slower paced, like Jackie Brown, more dialogue driven movie. I kind of hope he returns to that, yeah, like more modern times, yeah. a more modern commentary than um, trying to do an homage. I mean, I feel like all, I mean, not all Django and Inglorious War was an homage to a, to a lost time, yeah. but. Um, well, he's trying to dip his finger in all these genres. Uh, I think he might just, he just stick to what he knows. I'll take the opposite of that. I think the next one, I would love to see him do uh, sci-fi or even like a Cold War spy movie. That's what, that, right, and, you and I talked about that. And, uh, so that would be go really that direction. I think that would be think really about cool. him with his homage, and not, it's hard to pull this off, right? But he, he does, I mean, he flat out kind of uh, samples other directors mm-hmm. and stuff the filmmaking and stuff. But I mean, there's, there's a certain way to do that and create original art. I mean, the Beatles did that. I mean, you start off doing yeah. Chuck Berry and, and then you, you do a little Richard and then you say, Oh, and that new beach boys record's really good. Right. Let's do something like that. And you make Sergeant Pepper. Right. And, uh, so there's a way to do that. And then there's the other way of doing it where it's just straight. You're doing an impression. Of right. Somebody. He always walks that line really well. Uh, so I, I do kind of enjoy his homage thing. Cause it, you know, no matter what, no matter how much he references, uh, different things, uh, it always comes out as a Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Somehow it comes out an original piece it's of art and it right. says something. And oftentimes many of those references are probably only references he would get. Yeah. You know, different it's shots. a small crowd. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. putting the original Django in this right. movie, for example, or things like that, it, it is going to be something that I don't think everyone was standing up. Oh, cool. We put the original right. Django in this from the, you know, 1968, uh, Italian Western. Uh, so, you know, that's what I like. It's always it's he's making he makes Quentin Tarantino makes Quentin Tarantino movies. Yeah, and I like that he's stuck with that. He does not compromise on it at all. Whether it's good or bad, it's always interesting. Luckily, it's been good more oftentimes than it's been bad. And I think he's really in a prime right now. And I hope he makes as many movies as he can during the next few years. Um, I want to ask you this movie met pretty much every expectation I had. Is uh, Brian and Richard? Is there anything that you saw in the movie that you a um, or surprised by in a good way, or be surprised by in a bad way. Um, I surprise is probably not the. I I was in full just. I can't wait to see this anticipation on Leonardo DiCaprio's part. Uh-huh. Um, just from the the trailers, I was mesmerized in in his trailer uh, of just watching that guy and just thinking, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so great. Yeah. This is gonna be so great. It's gonna be so great. Um, and so. 
Um, I was really anticipating that. But I think because of how much I was looking forward just to seeing DiCaprio play, play this kind of weird, almost quirky, but also a little bit depraved, uh, the guy kind of hid the joy that uh, – that or, or at least masked what I was going to get from Waltz, who I think is incredible in everything he does. So Even the freaking Green Hornet, he's great. Yeah, um, water for elephants. Yeah, water for elephants. I think he's great, and, and his performance also in this movie is great. But uh, I think my anticipation for DiCaprio kind of <laughs> overshadowed what I should expect from Waltz, from Sam Jackson, who – was amazing, and even from Jamie Foxx, Fox who awesome. to me was honestly like coming in was the one that I was probably the least jazzed about, and he he Kills hit it perfectly. Yeah. I mean, he it's it's a perfect representation of what uh, of what that character needed, and um, and so I, I was a little surprised by just you know that the cast is going to be great in a Tarantino movie, but this to me this might have been I think that's why I have it ranked so high. I'm very actor centric in my. Yeah appreciation for film and the the acting in this movie is just it's off the charts it's so good i think about christoph is just in in some of its tarantino dialogue but all, it happens to other movies that he does he is so unbelievably good and you can say that intellectually and recognize how good he is but i'm not kidding every time he's on a screen i smile i mean it is, it is yeah it's a genuine joy to watch yeah. him act. It's like watching an incredible person like make a boat or yeah. something. It's just like this guy's yeah. really good at what he does yeah. and I don't yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and just yeah. take in him making this boat. Yeah, and that's such a cool thing and it's a rare it's I think it's a totally rare thing rare. these days. Um I'm I'm that way with Gary Oldman too. Mm-hmm. Anytime Gary Oldman comes yeah. on screen, I just I sit here like yeah. just giggling it's like just, a little girl. It, it literally warms wow. my heart. I mean yeah. I, I know that seems really lame, but like No, I totally agree. I, and that's what I was pointing out with the first line you yeah. hear is calm yourselves gentlemen yeah, it's, like, it's like oh yes and you see another shot that stuck out of me to me was when where we first rescues Django seeing him on the carriage uh, with that tooth just flapping yeah. back and forth right. it was just such a stroke of genius um, yeah, he's so cool so good um, and yeah I agree I mean he's as, just... as, I, I was agree Brian I was so hyping DiCaprio for this yeah. movie uh, because you know Tarantino said before that he gives DiCaprio the first draft of every script he does and says, let me know if there's a part in here that you would consider playing because he just thinks that highly of his skill or whatever. And the fact that he said yes to Django, you know it was going to be great. Right. Uh, just a character that was going to be amazing. But I'll admit, after seeing the movie, as much as I want to admit, as much as I wanted DiCaprio's performance to be the best – it's not. Christoph Waltz steals this movie in every scene, yeah. every word he speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't even – it's like you need to see it again because I don't even know what the other characters are saying because I, I, was, focused, <laughs> I was focused on Christoph. He, he takes your breath away. I mean he absolutely yeah. is – he's just unbelievably charismatic and nuanced and, and uh, he just has – he has a great look in the movie. He His voice is perfect. He is completely – Confident, and you know, I mean, DiCaprio is a great actor, but DiCaprio is. It was a great performance. I'm not saying it wasn't, but I'm just as much as I wanted it to be better than Christoph Waltz. It's just, but that might not ever happen, like in a Tarantino film. No, and 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 DiCaprio is a great actor, but he's a movie star, right? So you're supposed to be really drawn to him. You're drawn to Christoph the whole time. I mean, he's and a lot of that has to do with him being sort of the 
I mean, almost really the lead character in this movie. Uh, but uh, he's just so captivating. You just love that. I just love that character. He's such a good person. And, you know, after seeing him in Glorious as a not-so-good person, you're, I was almost watched most of Django wondering if he turned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the first I did time too. I saw I had, it. I the same experience. And I was really relieved yeah. when he didn't because I liked him so right. much. Uh, and I liked uh, – I liked uh, – and Gorius, his what's that character's name again? Han Landa. Uh, yeah, I love that character. He's the most evil right. person in the movie, but it's like I just really like yeah. him. I just want to hang You're out. With him. And that yeah. last scene in Gorius, you just like what when you see the last scene, you're just like, wow, that could have ended up so many ways. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just incredible. If you've never seen Gorius, you need to see it before you see Django. I would say yeah, for absolutely. sure. Um, first half of this movie is incredible. Um, Brian, when we talked on on the radio about about this, um, you said that this you didn't feel like the second half of the movie really justified or did justice to the first half with how good the first half was. I the, think that the my thoughts in the first half. Let me just say this. Yeah, it felt like they took uh, True Grit, the Coen Brothers, mm-hmm. two thousand nine True Grit, and refined it. Uh, uh, the same, almost the same scenes, like the scene with the um, um, bagheads, uh, yeah. where they're sniping down the bagheads. Straight, something straight out of. There's yeah. a scene almost identical to that in True Grit, where he's Lebeef, the Lebeef Matt Damon character is trying right. to aim for somebody, doesn't know if he can hit him. And um, I, I remembered that, and I was like, wow, Tarantino has done it so much, doing it so much better than the Coen Brothers. That kind of funny, snarky action. Um, so what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think there's a definite Cohen vibe to the whole to the whole movie, and I I love the Cohen brothers. I'm probably a bigger fan of Cohen brothers uh-huh. than I am Tarantino, um, and and I, actually I love True Grit, but it, it I did too. Loved from, it yeah. from the get go. It had a a Cohen brothers feel to it, yeah. and um, and I really I mean I really liked. It. I thought it was cool. And, I, yeah. and my favorite I think my favorite scene in the whole movie is when it turns into a Mel Brooks movie with the the bagheads and the yeah, yeah. you know I, I I died. I was just Roaring yeah. laughter, you know. Uh, I thought it was great. It was such great. He, Tarantino's become, he's always had funny parts in his older movies. Mm-hmm. He's become a really good comic writer. Yes, yeah. Uh, even visual jokes, which you would think would be kind of beneath him. The, the bit with uh, Jimmy Fox that you mean I get to pick out my own clothes? Right. Yeah. And then he, and then he, you know, the next cut of him in that ridiculous blue. Yeah, Austin Kendall. Powers, yeah. Yeah, Austin, yeah, Austin that's Powers. That's what I thought of. <laughs> you know, uh, that's hilarious. And that's. What I mean, gosh, like he, like he needed another trick up his sleeve. Right. Like Tarantino, needed, he's now become you know the greatest right. comic <laughs> movie maker with his last two movies, yeah. the two of the funniest movies I've seen in the last five years. Right. No, yeah. I agree there. But what you say, yeah, I, my my complaint, if I had a complaint about the movie, um, was not that the last half didn't do justice to the first half, but that the the final twenty minutes. Explodes into such a Tarantino. Let's, we'll go into spoilers with what exactly that, happens uh, here in a few minutes, but yeah. Uh, but that was my issue that yeah. we'd been set up for a whole two and a half hours for it was fairly realistic and, and yeah. you know, uh, and, and just, restrained, and then it, it's not. Suddenly. And that's so that's interesting because I think uh, I actually didn't love Carrie Carrie Washington this movie. I thought she kind of overdid some stuff. Um, she kind of annoys me in pretty much everything I've ever seen, so it might just be a bias, uh, even though I think she's she's stunning. Um, but you're right. With the performances of Samuel L. Jackson, especially when I got this when I rewatched it, uh, with the performance of Samuel L. Jackson and Leonardo DiCaprio both being incredible. That being said, 
it's not as good as the first half. No. And uh, and maybe that's because it just had to start getting into some plot points. And really, the first half is just let's just have fun. Yeah. You know, this, there's really there's really no there's no drama to it. Really, it's just let's see how much funny lines and, right. and kind of gimmicks we can throw in this. And it's just such a joy joyful ride. But it does kind of slow down in that last mm. that last part. Um, now, before we go into spoilers, uh, Tarantino got is getting I should say a lot of. The I would say the usual amount of hate for a Tarantino film, uh, for his excessive violence, uh, language. Do you think that it was justified in this case? Um, and I will say this, I will say my opinion first. I think the use of the N word is. I mean, what else can you say? I mean, I, I realize that there this was a period movie, mm-hmm. but I feel like if you didn't say that as much people would still think it was a great movie. I mean, I don't feel like he's trying... Uh, how should I say this? He's trying to be historically accurate, right. but he's picking the wrong things to be historically accurate about. Right. I, AKA, the only word they had for those people were was the N-word. Um, but every other aspect, like, wasn't historically accurate mm-hmm. at all. So, um, I feel yeah. like he just used the historically accurate excuse just to make an edgy a little bit. I mean, there's that- a certain thing with African-American culture where they choose to use that word often in modern times to sort of take that negative connotation away from it, right? And I think this movie was almost a way to do that. I mean, he's almost do- doing that. He's sort of taking uh, – first off, it's just a straight-up revenge movie of a – I mean, at, at its its core, it's a brother killing a bunch of white people. Yeah. Uh, which is I'm down with, just down with Whitey, says the uh, <laughs> the Irish Catholic guy. But uh, but so to sort of empower that character and to use these just gross derogatory words and actions to sort of fuel him, I don't right. really have a problem with it. But once again, when I hear that word, it offends me on, on an intellectual level. Right. But I, I won't pretend to understand it emotionally because right. you know I'm I'm a you know I'm a goofy white guy. So I feel like yeah, the white people are getting more offended by it than the black people. Yeah, I saw it for the first time with an African American, mm-hmm. and there were numerous African Americans in the audience. I would say the majority because it was opening weekend, and Jamie Foxx is a huge draw mm-hmm. to right. the box office in the urban community. So, um, and I saw it with him, and he. First thing he said to me in the, when we got in the car was, "Every black guy needs to see that movie because yeah. he felt so yeah. empowered by yeah. the way it ends up." Um, so yeah. it was it, well, it met a, his approval. It so. purposefully, I think, takes place, and it doesn't even say the year. It says two years before the Civil War, right? And it's almost like this is what's coming, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's this this. This, I mean, it's obviously doesn't end at the hands of, of African-Americans. I mean, they certainly helped with the union, but it's like this way of life has to end. Sure. And it's despicable and all that, and this is sort of the prelude to that. Uh, so I enjoyed it on that level. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not black, so I, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I know, shocking guys. We, but, why did we have Brian um, yeah. I didn't be think, our black guy. I didn't think that it was super gratuitous, the way that he – phrased everything and used the language that they use honestly to me was was less gratuitous than certain than like reservoir dogs or absolutely one of his other you know and, almost any of his other movies and um, when it's used gratuitously which it isn't part yeah. of, it's done by african-american actors I yeah mean, the, the, like the sam jackson probably uses says it more than anybody else in a more yeah. really ridiculous way is samuel jackson yeah. um with the you know the i can 
I count six shots, I count two guns, you know, right. that, I mean, that's sort of a funny, right. uh, modern take on, on things, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, I didn't feel, you know, at the hands of white people, right. n- not historically accurate or anything like that. I mean, sure. it's, and it's not ever used as, yeah, this guy, this guy calls black guys the N word, but he's a good guy. It's never, right. It's oh saying, yeah. Anyone There's that a, uses the N word right. in that movie is awful. Right. And, and, uh, and Christoph Waltz uses it. When he's masquerading as, and it hurts racist. him to do and it so. It hurts him to like, do so. You can tell that it physically pains yeah. him to say that. So word I mean, it's never at once making light of it, and you know, and once again, I'm a person that I'm not offended by really any type of language. It's more ideas that will sure. offend me, and I didn't find there to be an offensive idea here. Once again, that being said, as a white person who doesn't have an emotional right. involvement, uh, I agree. There, uh, you want to go? Anything else to say? Any general thoughts before we um, go to spoiler territory? This one. No, no. Let's move on. No. All right, here we go. Spoilers for Django coming up now. All right, um, so let's talk about the second act or third act, Brian. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, I get, say what you thought about it, um, how it ends, everything, how you felt. And again, this is a this is a small complaint uh, from what is a a very 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 good movie. Um, I the, the very opening scene we get uh, Walt stumbling out of the of the uh, wilderness and and uh, and sh- it shoots the you know the the guys that are that are holding the slaves and the horse and everything and it's very explosive Tarantino esque from that point on until until uh, Walt's character shoots DiCaprio's character and it turns into the, to the bloodbath it's very realistic, very in keeping with what a modern day Western looks yeah. like. I mean, it's, 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 it's on violent. par, it's on, it's violent, but it's realistic, realistic violent. violent with the dogs and the yes. wrestling and things like that. And it's on par with True Grit mm-hmm. or, uh, Unforgiven or any other, or other Western that you want to, to mention. And then it, that page turns and it turns into the most over the top Tarantino esque, just bloodbath, blood soaking the walls. Mm-hmm. You know, entry wounds are just exploding everywhere. Um, and again, I, you know, violence doesn't violence in film doesn't bother me. Um, I'm not a big fan of of blood and gore, so I'm I'm biased, to, you know, from the top. But it wasn't that it was that it existed in the film. It's that it was so much different from what we'd had for two or two and a half hours what was so, that it felt well, unfair yeah, to what, me. I agree. What felt so great about the first hour and a half, you feel like could have kept going. Yeah. But yeah. gotten a little more violence, but still kept that charm that the right. first half of the movie had. And it did at points, like the, um, the moment where um, Django shoots, I guess, um, Candy's sister. Yeah. And he goes, hey. yeah, and I got a huge laugh in the audience. Probably right. the biggest laugh of the movie, and but it's just him shooting somebody, right? So, and it, I mean, it's very well well shot scene. I mean, the 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 fight with him and and uh, and Candy's men, uh, it's 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 a really well shot scene. It just to me, it 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 was almost distracting from what I'd been through for the last two and a half hours or so, um, and just and kind of took me out of the moment. And I agree with you on that. I think. The counter argument would be: Look, Tarantino's made twenty years of saying this is my move. Sure, I'm Tim Duncan. I'm going to sure. get on that ninety de- or forty five degree angle. And I'm going right. yeah, to show. I'm going to post it up. Yeah. yeah, and so this is my move. This is my pet move, and it's going to be in everything I do. Right. And this is my 
you know, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play Stairway at every concert. Or, you know, <laughs> so I mean, it, on that level, I sort of appreciate yeah. it. Like it's that's his artistic sure. thing he does. Sure. Um, but you're right as far as the so on the grand scheme of things, in the overall, I guess I, you know, the oeuvre of Tarantino right. film, it's kind of cool. Yeah. But in this, if you micro it to just this movie, you're right. It, right. it does. It do, totally changes tone. Yeah. It becomes just visually different. Right. Uh, and yeah. when Ken and I talked about it on the on the radio show, we we last time we did a show together, we we gave our top ten of the year, and I think this was the we'll number post three that. movie of the we'll year. We'll post that me. eventually on here. Um. Yeah. But and and the reason was, and I said this is a. You know, if you're grading on a on a 100 scale, this is a 97. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still an incredible movie. I I think it's a complete, it's a total masterpiece. If Tarantino goes a little closer to the inglorious side of things and tones it down a little bit, since it has been toned down throughout but, the whole movie. But inglorious does have that theater scene, right? Which right. is kind of similar, sure. where every th- all of a sudden it's just a barrel of bullets. Right. Uh, but no, you're right, and and so yeah, like I said, it's just one of those. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I feel like if he made, if he remade, you know, The Lion King, <laughs> right. at the end, someone would yeah. show up and just yeah, scar just it. gets ripped. Pieces <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's awful. It, it, yeah. That would be his thing. So I mean, it's just sort of something where you know, going in, this right. is what it's going right. to be, and I'm gonna. Yeah, I think I had almost forgotten that this is a Tarantino movie. For yeah, just the absolutely you know, for twenty minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. It, Oh, oh crap! Yeah. Like That's I forgot. Right. That's right. This is yeah. QT, and and I've only seen it the one time, so it's probably it may be something that going back to see it again completely erases that feeling for me. No, but I think no. I first think off the top, I I thought it that's his decision. That's his style. That's mm-hmm. his thing. That's fine for me. It was slightly unfitting for what had been happening. It felt way. like, um, and I'll use the example of Pulp Fiction to um, illustrate this point. Um, it feels like. Tarantino feels like he owes his fans a little bit of something yeah. like in, for example, at the end of Pulp Fiction, whenever Samuel L. Jackson is sitting in the um, diner and he has the gun pointed at Tim Roth's character and they all have guns pointed at each other. It's almost as if you know that there's possibility that, holy crap, all hell can break yeah. loose here. But it, but the movie ends and nothing happens and there wasn't a shootout. feels like in this movie – um, you know it. You know it has a possibility the entire time, but whether the fact that he does it or not is the question. So he, well, it does happen. He does here. He, yeah, it's just not linear. Yeah, I mean, it does, right. The shootout in the diner. You mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, just the shootout in general. The sort of explosive violence. Technically, it's almost like he was teasing us in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Like I've set up this great scenario where something. Crazy violent could happen, but I'm not going to give it I'm to you. Show some restraints. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but in this movie, he's he like the opposite. It's yeah. like, I'm going to show no restraint whatsoever, and I'm going to give everybody what they have thought that I could give all along, and that he showed us in Kill Bill. Well, it's 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 also dealing with something that's incredibly violent in slavery. It's violent in intention. It's violent in action. So it's sort of therapeutic to see this violent explosion. In essence, end slavery yeah. in the micro story yeah. of Django. So, yeah, and I'll uh, say even with my complaints about it, uh, J- Django getting uh, or, or finally taking down Samuel L. Jackson's character is oh. one of the most gratifying <laughs> scenes yeah. of, of the year for me. I mean, it was Why just so below? like, yeah. yes, yes, get him, you know, get this guy. Um, and so, even and, my, and that's such an interesting Tarantino thing that I only think he pulls off because that's such a gratifying moment. Such a violent moment, such a funny moment. Yeah. Like, I mean, every that works on like thirty different levels. Yeah. Uh, 
stylistically. I mean, what I, I don't think anyone else pulls. That I think off. it. I think it comes down to the um, the line that Kristoff's character says de- when he shoots DiCaprio. Um, he he turns around to um, Django and says, "I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist." Yeah, and, and that's that's, that's, that's kind of Tarantino's. That's Tarantino's yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's a great point. That's his thesis yeah. of this movie, as well as <laughs> Inglorious. He says. I think this is your masterpiece or whatever yeah. at the very last line. And so yeah. he kind of has a little, I guess, statement um, in all his movies and his writing where his feelings of it are. Um, any other thoughts on Django in general? Anything that stuck out? Um, any scenes that you liked, didn't like? Great score. We didn't really talk about Great the score. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's understood in one of his movies. Yeah, though. absolutely. Um, but overall, 2012, great year for, for music and scores and mm-hmm. Maybe the best is Django, I think. Yeah. Really, oh, it's really incredible. great stuff. Original music. Yeah. Old, old, uh, any more Conan yeah, music. It's very rare that I'll run out, see a movie, and then go and just immediately either buy or download well, the, uh, any time uh, you can combine Morricone and, uh, uh, and Rick Ross. Rick Ross, right. yeah. Uh, and Rizzo. And Tupac. Right? Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta respect yeah. that, that album. Um, no, that's awesome. I, um, I wanted to ask you guys, um, he won. Tarantino won Best Screenplay at the Golden Globes for this, or Django. Um, do you think he has a chance at the Oscar? If not, what do you think has a chance to beat him? Oh, I don't think he will win the Oscars. I think Silver Linings has a chance. I, I think, think Zero Dark Thirty does. I think does. he's going to win. I think he's going to win it this year. Think I think so? they've taken – Has I he won the it Oscars before? Have taken so much he won it for, for Pulp Fiction, I believe. Pulp yeah, Pulp for, for kind of tossing him aside as they go. Um, I think I think this year he's going to get it. And that, my opinion may change on that as the the date approaches. But so it's he'll win original and then right, um, Argo or Lincoln. Yeah, I was going to say gets okay. adapted. That's my guess. Um, it was so it it was so cool to see him get the uh, the Golden Globe. Like I it was, cool. I very rarely watch the Golden Globes. I don't know yeah. why I watch it this year. Probably for Tina Fey mm-hmm. and uh, and Amy Poehler. But that was one of the better moments. And of Tommy the night, Lee Jones, yeah, and totally Tommy Lee Jones. Um, but it was, I enjoyed seeing his, uh, acceptance speech, which is not something that I usually say about any mm-hmm. award show. He's just, he's such an interesting guy and it, it's a cool, it was cool to see him in an quote unquote unscripted, mm-hmm. just, you know, being Quentin yeah. Tarantino bit. Agree there. So actually Kent actually sent me on YouTube. There's a really good, like hour long Howard Stern interview with him. Oh, okay. You can find these, you know, I I'm not a huge Howard Stern fan, but uh, you can catch these like really long form interviews with like crazy people. You never uh, see anything else. And it's excellent. He talks about his family. He talks about, you know, it's kind of before Django came out. So it's kind of before a lot of the backlash hit. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of this pure, you get to see him really kind of promote this movie on a pure level. It's right. very good. It's excellent. I'll send I see, yeah. I suggest looking that up. Um, if you're a Tarantino fan, or um, obviously subscribing to Sirius XM and and listening to Mr. Stern yourself. Yeah, hey, probably shouldn't promote still YouTube. I don't know. Um, so uh, obviously this movie ranks very high in our estimation. Uh, it was my number one of 2012. Um, Richard, what? I don't know if you made your list before. I after did. I finally it. finalized it. I'm. It's my number two. Okay. What? What? Ended up beating it. Argo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Same with you. No three, zero dark three thirty. Three for me. Yeah. Three behind zero dark thirty and Argo. Yeah. And I would say that those movies are all very good, very yeah, well I mean, You can't go wrong with any of those three. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think Django, almost any other year, is probably my number one. Yeah, this is an awesome I mean, year. Just, this was just such a great year for. And 2013 shaping up wells to be quite the year yeah, as well. Movie 43. So just I would say um, off, sets the tone. Not unlike <laughs> not unlike Christoph Waltz in Inglorious right. and Django I think sets that's the tone a fair for. Comparison. A, 
for a great year. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, what we think of Django Unchained. Maybe uh, if we get enough feedback, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode um, going a little more in detail about about the film. So definitely go see it. Um, any other things to say about it, gentlemen? That's it. Fun being here. Inaugural podcast. Inaugural podcast. Moving from radio to podcast. This is a, this is a big moment for us. This is. Before we get out of here, we want to do a segment we'll do every time, Weekly Recommends. Mm. So one thing you can recommend to everybody, um, Brian, I guess I'll start off with you, sir. Yeah, uh, mine this week is going to be, I'm going to go a little off script and go with the TV show. Uh, I, 30 Rock ends this, this uh, Thursday. Um, and uh, I've been I've been on board with 30 Rock, not since the first season, probably the second season. Same here. Um, but I've gone back the last couple weeks and have been watching. I watched from the beginning and watched the whole mm-hmm. series uh, up to, to the finale. And... Uh, I think maybe the most underrated comedy of our this current uh, yes. run right now. You can now. say that uh, Arrested Development's now properly rated. Like, yeah, right? I like everyone's so. into yeah. it. Yeah, and Thirty Rock is so good. It's yeah. so good. There's so many jokes per second in yeah. that. Yeah, and it, it's a great mix of subtle stuff and just they they one of the things that I've realized watching going back through and watching it is they are the masters of making obvious jokes really funny mm-hmm. and and just knocking these out of the park where you think, man, anybody could have made that joke, but they hit it in such a way that you find yourself like, uh, laughing no matter, you know, well, despite have, that. It's a really rare combination of really great writing. Mm-hmm. And then they went and got excellent actors. Yes, I mean, I mean every, yeah. every, um, They've discovered Jane people. Krakowski's Jack, Jack incredible. Jack yeah. right. Breyer's incredible. Baldwin's like just the most versatile right. actor out there, probably right. comedically. He can do anything. Yeah. And then you balance that out with a good writing staff, and it's done really well. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. It's on Netflix Instant. The first six seasons are if you uh, if you don't have the DVDs. Uh, most a lot of people have Netflix, so check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, catch up. It's it really is worth it. And if you're not a Tracy Morgan fan, that was the thing that held me back for a long time. Was I hate even on Saturday? I love Saturday Night Live. Hated Tracy Morgan. Um, he's so good on the show. He, yeah, he they fits well. So they, well. They write for him perfectly. I'm not sure that he knows he's on a show. <laughs> I think he might be thinking that he's in like a documentary or something. He's just being himself. Um, but it works really well, and uh, it, it's definitely worth your time. Okay, Richard, uh, weekly recommend. Okay, so my uh, I didn't get on it this summer. My girlfriend watched it. Now she, I'm going to do a TV show as well since we've done movies this whole time. Uh, she got me – so I got uh, the girlfriend, the, the box set of Girls, HBO show. Oh, yeah. And so uh, she got me watching it, and I was not wild about the first season until the last four or five episodes – and now I'm on season two, obviously just started, so I've been watching those now in real time. And it's really, really – I think it's really an interesting show. I mean, it's not always great. It's kind of Tarantino-y, but it's, uh, it's always interesting. And when it started off, it's really sort of this kind of almost boring story about these four privileged girls living in Brooklyn. Blah, blah, blah. But now it's kind of evolved into this whole staff of characters, like eight or nine characters now on the show, uh, which sort of – now limits everyone to just a couple minutes per episode, but it's like the perfect amount of each character. There's some really, and there's some really good male characters on there that are written. Uh, to see male characters, young male characters as written by females is not something you get to see yeah. very often. And it's, it's actually, an it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think it's really become, it was a show that was overhyped at first mm-hmm. as far as then the quality of the show. And now it has sort of grown into the proper show that it is for the hype. And uh, it's, uh it's it's just a good I think it's it's become a good show. Probably the first new good comedy HBO's had since like Curb, like sure. you know. Uh so uh it's 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 good. Kent, what's your recommendation? Um well I'm I guess I'm gonna have to go with the um the theme here and go T V. Um I've really I just got a new D V D player for Christmas, so I've, I've 
for the first time since I guess high school, middle school, maybe I've moved one into my bedroom. So I've, I have all these seasons of TV shows that I really never get around to watching because I don't like sitting on my couch and watching TV. I like watching it before I go to bed or like right when I wake up. Um, so I've really gotten into watching the few seasons I have of the Simpsons oh, yeah. on DVD. And I've never heard of the show. What's there, about? there was a, there's the a family is, guy. Is it or? a, is it an early nineties uh, reality show? about Nicole and OJ yeah. Kardashian style. It is. Yeah. Awesome. You'll never guess the ending. Yeah. The, um, I'm pumped. But I mean, there was, I was super into the Simpsons when I was in middle school, high school, oh, yeah. but there's a, a good 12 years there where I didn't watch one episode of the mm-hmm. Simpsons. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really excited about going back and seeing what I missed out on. No one and, realized how much we owe all of our humor to that show. Oh, our yeah. Our generation. Exactly. Just completely. And just the um, the early seasons I'm talking about, I think maybe four, season four and five, early 90s when it was still kind of underground, um, Conan O'Brien on the writing staff. Yeah. Uh, so much. Monorail. So much, so many classic episodes yeah, um, back in those days that I just brought back good memories. And um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to going through um, more seasons of that. Yeah, and, um, that's great. That's just, show that just a classic. Been, yeah, I've been dying for it to get on the Netflix somehow because yeah. I'm the same way. I watched I watched The Simpsons religiously for several years, and I, I but I missed the beginning the beginning stages of it, and I've just caught a few, you know, in syndication, and I haven't watched an episode probably in a decade, a new one anyway. Um, I would love yeah. to watch the entire series all the way through. I feel so. like. Um, Fox has actually said that they're thinking about doing a Simpsons network on TV <laughs> where it's just 24-hour Simpsons. I'm in. I would I'm, totally I'm be down that. for that because yeah. they have over, I think, 400 episodes now. Yeah. I mean, so the fact that chances of watching one that you've seen recently is going to be pretty idea. tough. So I think that's way better than my Golden Girls channel <laughs> idea that I've been pitching the different networks. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's our weekly recommends. Uh, thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyone... Anything else to say, gentlemen? No. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. Subscribe. um, Tell your friends. um, Where can we find us online? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N with two R's, K-E-N-Z. Like Superman. Richard, where can we find you online? You can find me at Richard Barden or RichardBarden.com. Brian? I'm at at, uh, BGill12, and uh, you can find my writing on TheSoapboxOffice.com. Great. We'll see you guys at the cinema.